Hey, I'm going to ask you if you take your Bibles or smartphones or whatever you need. Some Bibles are even underneath some of the chairs there, but you'll find Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 17. Familiar to many, perhaps, and uh, we, we uh, will be reading these verses here in just a few moments. We appreciate our Strength to Stand band. Appreciate that from Scott Dawson Ministries. Isn't that right, that they're part of? And uh, tell them that to tell Scott I said hello. And uh, I went to school with Scott. Scott Dawson's been here a couple of times. In fact, I went, we went to school together twice, but in different decades. You'll have to ask him, I guess, about that. But uh, we were in school together twice for that. Things are, things are merging together here, and I want you to be able to realize because we're in the midst of, uh, we're in the midst of this series of messages on You Got Questions, He's the Answer. And so we've been talking about, we've talked about heaven and hell, and uh, we've talked about... Uh, uh, family. We've talked about absolute truth. Got some more uh, that are coming up as we uh, talk about next week. We'll be talking actually about uh, suicide and the unforgivable sin. And not uh, that suicide is the unforgivable sin, but we're talking about those things. Hopefully, things that uh, if you're not talking about them, maybe we should be talking about them in these days with all the things that are happening today. So I appreciate Bobby, appreciate all of our leaders as they're doing a weekend on learning about the Holy Spirit. So today we're talking about. Uh, how the Holy Spirit is at work in all the things that we're going through in these days, all the things that you're going through in your lives as well. Uh, we've got to believe the Holy Spirit is at work uh, today and is, is at work in the world in which we live. So we want to give you evidences of that today before you, before you leave today. And we'd love for you to take notes. Young people, let me encourage you. And, and I, we're talking to everybody, but if I lean this way, you'll probably understand because they were right here in the midst of it. Uh, be, we want you to be sure if you don't already have a set of notes, maybe you, I see you got pens and notebooks and those kind of things, you might want to write some things down. But we're in Acts chapter 2, and uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Pentecost. Pentecost is a, it's a Jewish festival and celebration. We know much more about Pentecost, or it's been something that's more familiar to us because of the events that took place in the coming of the Holy Spirit upon believers here in Acts chapter 2. Penta meaning 50 because it was 50 days after the Passover was complete. And 50 was an important number in the Jewish faith. Now, you, they won't understand this, but maybe somebody will. When I turned 50, I remember reading or somebody told me, you know, 50 is the new... 40. Well, now I've been 50 for almost a decade, and I'm still waiting for maybe what. But in those days, and for the Jewish people uh, in the Jewish religion, it meant, and maybe even today, but it was a 50. 50 was a number that meant power and celebration. At the end of 49 years, every 49 years, they had what they called the year of Jubilee. And in that year, they would all slaves would be released. Everybody that was in debt, it would be forgiven. Nobody owed anything. And that if you sold your land, somebody took your land, every, all the land went back to the original owner. So was a, that was a day of celebration. So every year in that same vein, they would celebrate Pentecost. And it was a celebration for, to God for bringing in of the harvest. Now... So that you might be able to understand it as we maybe move forward. There are at least three festivals and celebrations that took place at this time period. All Jewish festivals and all celebrations pointed to Jesus. But particularly one of those was the Passover. We know about the Passover, our time around Easter, of course, when it was celebrated. We know the sacrifice of the Lamb pointed to the fact of uh, the death of Jesus. And then, then there was the festival of first fruits, which pointed actually to the resurrection of Christ. 
always celebrated on the first day after the Sabbath of the Passover. That was the festival of first fruits. And it always took place on the first day of the week because it'd be after the Sabbath on the first day of the week. So it'd be on Sunday. And then there would be Pentecost. Pentecost would be a celebration that would take place and it pointed to the birth of Christ's church and it celebrated 50 days after the completion of the Passover, seven weeks plus one day, which would make Pentecost always on the first day of the week. Now, used to in the, in the Jewish religion, they always had the Sabbath. They'd say they'd be on Saturday. But because of Jesus Christ rising again, of course, we come together, we meet together, we worship together. Because every day we come together, we recognize that Jesus has risen again. But already there were celebrations that were taking place on that first day of the week, and Pentecost was one of those. It was at Pentecost that God chose to pour out His Spirit and birth the church. The church, God's chosen vessel for carrying out the work of Christ. Now, the they in verse 1, it said that they were all gathered together in one place. The they were the 120 followers who had been and spent time in the upper room after the ascension of Christ. And they were waiting for this to take place. They were waiting for the Spirit to come as prophesied in the Old Testament, as Jesus said in Acts chapter 1-8, that they were waiting for this to take place. And they had moved now from the upper room to the temple area. So now let's read what happened. Acts chapter 2, we'll go ahead and read verses 1 through 17 now. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and to fill the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwellings in Jerusalem, uh, in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God and they were all amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Verse 14 reads, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In verse 17 we'll complete a reading. In the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. I want you to pay attention for just a moment, maybe to verse 14 that we read just a moment ago. Here's how it says it in the message. In Eugene Peterson's The Message, it said, and Peter stood up and backed by the other 11 spoke out with bold urgency, fellow Jews and all you who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. Well, this morning, what I'd like for you to do, I'd like you to listen carefully, not so much to me, but to what God's Word says, but I want us to be able to get this story straight and make sure that we understand about God's purpose and calling you to be His people 
you who have the Holy Spirit living in you. Three signs that are, we're familiar with that happened here at Pentecost that showed that the Holy Spirit was coming and, uh, on all believers, all those who were followers of Christ. And those signs you see, they were the sound of the rushing wind, sight of the tongues like fire, and the speaking in other languages of the, belie- of the believers. Well, we want to see how these signs represent not only that this was the Holy Spirit coming at this time, but also how they might represent how the Holy Spirit is alive and at work in each one of you who know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today. Hopefully as we go through these and look at these signs and then talk about how they're important, how we might be able to use, be used today that you'll leave here without any uh, doubt that you know that the Holy Spirit continues to be at work in your life and at work today and maybe even open our eyes to how He's at work when we've not seen before. Here's the first sign. We'll talk more about it. The first one is this, the sound of rushing wind. The sound of the rushing wind. Notice, we read in verse 2 a moment ago, we might take a look at it again. They didn't, they didn't see the wind. They didn't feel the wind, but they heard it. And where did the sound come from, according to verse 2? You could say it aloud. came from, begins with an H, ends with an Evan. Yeah, heaven, that's right. But, uh, oh, thank you. But... Uh, uh, now, which means that the sound that they heard either was out of this world, something you know beyond what this world, or it was from above. And certainly as we read this, we realize, of course, uh, that it was both. You ever heard somebody interviewed, and maybe you've been close enough to a tornado, but you ever heard somebody interviewed that was in a tornado or a hurricane, and they always describe what the sound was like. They almost always say something like, Boy, it sounded like a train coming down the track. It sounded like 10 trains that were coming down uh, the track. And I wonder how they described tornadoes or hurricanes before. Maybe they said something like this. It was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I wonder the first time a train ever came down the track and somebody heard it. You think they said, oh, it sounds like a tornado that's coming. <laughs> the scripture says it filled the room. Now we have no doubt that the sound filled the room, but not just the sound but the Holy Spirit filled the room where they were. Would that we could know the power and the presence of the Lord in this room today, even where we are gathered. Well, hang on. Because I believe not only does God want to fill this room with the Holy Spirit of God, I believe He already has done it, and He wants us to be able to know it, be able to experience it, but He wants to fill you. He wants you to be able to have experience, not just in this room, but inside each one of us, and know that the Spirit is alive, be filled and led by the Spirit today. And maybe it's not as important. And You know, we pay attention to details in the Bible. Maybe it's not as important that they, that they felt it, but that they heard it. Because it's not as important that you always feel the Holy Spirit. It's not about feeling, because feelings come and go. It's important that you hear what God's Word has to say and that you know that it is true. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Now, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, along with the Father and Son, we serve one God. He is the triune God. We know Him as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is eternal, just as the Father and Son. He was in the Old Testament. He was at creation. He was with the Israelites. Oftentimes, He would be uh, with certain leaders and prophets and others, uh, servant leaders there with Israel, of course. The Bible would say, Holy Spirit's with such and such. It was about a month or two ago, I guess, that we were in the book of Judges and we talked about Samson. You remember Samson, the one, the, great, the judge with the uh, long hair and 
you know, strong and feats of strength. Well, the Bible test says it over and over again. Now, understand, Samson was not a very godly man. I mean, but it said from time to time that the Holy Spirit would come upon him and he would be able to achieve these great feats of strength for God's purposes. And, but the Holy Spirit didn't stay with him. The Holy Spirit wasn't always with him. But now, and that would be true about many people in the Old Testament, but now, ever since the time of Pentecost, all those who were followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and He does not leave us. The Holy Spirit indwells all those who place their faith in Christ and are saved by grace. The moment you step into the family of God, the moment you cross over, you walk over, you're, you're not in the family, nobody's born a believer, but the moment that you come and you're reborn and come to the family of God, that moment, the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus in the New Testament, comes and lives within you and promises to never leave us nor forsake us. Even when we don't feel it, He's still there. We recognize that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about uh, that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee for salvation. You have the Holy Spirit living in you today if you are a disciple and if you're a follower of Jesus. Why not be filled with the Spirit and experience the presence and the power of God in your life? Consider that may be why you're here today. We, we have talked before today about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It means to be submissive to the Holy Spirit. It means to realize that you're cooperating and you're walking and you're following what the Holy Spirit would have you to say today. It may or may not come with a lot of emotion or feeling, but it is true every time you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the winds of hurricanes and tornadoes, and we know that they sometimes bring destruction and devastation, but the wind of the Holy Spirit of God brings restoration and renewal. And the coming of the Holy Spirit demonstrated by the power of God, brought people to Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit continues to do that. And the Holy Spirit can bring us in a closer walk with Jesus. For those who are not believers, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe some who are listening live stream today. If you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit's still at work. But as we understand it, and if we could picture it, Holy Spirit is at work on the outside of your heart. He's the one who's knocking on your heart. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, and, and, and all of us were at one time like that, and maybe you came to a place, whether it was in a church or revival or at home or wherever you were, there was a time in which you felt that you needed to make that change, that you needed to be forgiven of sin, that you needed to ask Christ to come in. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And we believe the Holy Spirit's at work today. If there's someone here who doesn't know Christ, if there's someone listening who doesn't know Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. And you'll have that opportunity today before... We finish today, you'll have the opportunity to be able to respond to the Spirit's work in your life. If you're a believer, it's the Holy Spirit who is in your heart, who's working to help you to make those right choices, guiding you to follow God's plan, helping you to face that tough situation at school or at work, to be able to help you to take care of that financial problem with integrity in order to help you to be able to with those relationships. The sound of the rushing wind is evidence that God has saved your soul. He can do a miracle in whatever you're facing today. So if you're, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, and this is what I want you to write because I want you to make it personal. You notice in the, if you've got notes in front of you, you notice it, it's in first person. I know the Holy Spirit is at work in my life by God's power to save me and to be at work. By God's power to save me and to be at work today. In other words, yes, you can know He's at work because the Lord has saved you and He continues to be at work. He has the power to use whatever you're facing for His 
purposes. And you can know that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life because the power of the rushing wind can bring new life to whatever you're facing. When your problems are got you down, you want to turn them over to Him, and He wants to demonstrate the mighty power of God in your life. Is it, uh, is it my imagination or are more people going to space this year than ever before? I mean, I don't even know what's happening. And suddenly, oh, so-and-so, the billionaire, is going up today, and he's taking his grandmother and his grandson and a teacher and a celebrity usually with them. And, and this week, yes, Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise of Star Trek went into space at the age of 90. Only for real this time. Well, look, where did the sound of the rushing wind come from? A lot further than Captain Kirk went. Also, where did the power of the Holy Spirit come from? We read, it came from heaven. And it's for real. We often pray that God will change our circumstances and our situations. And we pray, Lord, I'm in this. Please change everything around me to make things a little bit better. The Holy, if we pay attention, the Holy Spirit working in us will say this to us. It may not say exactly, but he'll say, watch this. And you may or may not change circumstances, but... Because the power of God is at work, He wants to use whatever you're going through, whatever situation that you're facing, in order to first maybe make you and I a little bit more like Jesus, and so that we might be able to have influence over others, and so that we might be able to be a part of kingdom working. So you have a situation, a circumstance in your life, you leave this place, it may be the same circumstance, but you can know the Holy Spirit is already at work, and that is real power Greater power than can change things is the power that can use anything for your benefit and for His purposes. Sign number two. We'll go a little faster with these next couple. The sight of tongues like fire. The sight of tongues like fire we read there uh, just a moment ago, I think in, in verse 3. That there was a form that looked like fire. At first it was one large mass and then it split into several tongues. Don't get confused about tongues. It was just the shape of a tongue but parts that rested upon each believer. How many believers were present? It's a, it's a test question. 120 believers were present, those same ones who were in the upper room. And the sight of the tongues of fire represent that you're able to have an intimate personal relationship with the living God. Holy Spirit, we usually can't see the Holy Spirit, but He came down the form of a tongues of fire, rested, and didn't burn them on each uh, believer. Note, now notice, they're describing what happened. They tell what they heard. I heard the sound of a rushing wind. Now what they saw, we saw pillars of fire come down, rest on each believer. Now in the Old Testament, fire was often used as a symbol for the presence of God. We know that uh, the burning bush when Moses was on the mountain. We know that the Israelites were led by a pillar of fire by night. We know that Elijah called down fire upon the altar on Mount Carmel. We know that uh, uh, John the Baptist said who was baptized, he said, there's another coming after me. He's greater than me. He said, he's going to baptize. Anybody remember? With the Holy Spirit and with fire, meaning the very presence of God. And so they come and they, these things about the presence of God. So the Holy Spirit has come. He's symbolized by wind and fire. Wind represents the power of God. Fire on every believer tells us that God wants to have an intimate relationship with every child of God. Okay, here's your note. I can know that the Holy Spirit is at work in my life by a growing personal relationship with Jesus. Is the Holy Spirit really at work today? Does He really care? Does He really work in my life? Well, you can have a personal growing relationship with Jesus so you can know 
And as you do have a growing relationship with Jesus, you are more than confident the Holy Spirit is at work. Jesus described the Holy Spirit. Do you remember? He said, there's another coming. I'm going to send you another. He described him as our helper, as our counselor, and as our comforter. And he's in every believer. is represented in Acts 2. And the Holy Spirit makes personal relationship with the living Lord possible. Now, we're left with little doubt that wind and fire are signs of the power and the person of God in believer's life. What happens when you have wind and fire together? A blaze takes place. Um, this would be good to explain to some of our young people. So a month or so ago, we, we, uh, we burned the note. I had some young people say, what does it mean that we burned the note? And so maybe that's an old person term. But uh, we paid off our debt. We're no, we're no longer in debt. And praise Jesus. I mentioned it because one reason we want to continue to mention, praise, give God all the glory for that. So we, uh, and we burned a copy of a piece of paper that said that we were debt free. It's actually what happened. And so we were debt free not long, but a little bit before. And, then we, and I Googled actually uh, other churches who had burned notes and I found that most churches, when they burn the note, they do it outside. Well, I thought, we can do it inside. We can, we can do this. And uh, so we, uh, you know, we practiced a little bit, put it in a container and put something over it as soon as it's, you know, as soon as it's about through burning to keep the smell of smoke or anything continuing to burn. So we got a glass container so everybody could see it. That was Bobby Jones' idea, just to make sure that you knew. We got, we got a, and so during, this, during the first service, this didn't have... In the, we burned the note in both services. During the first service, it's right outside the sanctuary. So I go out to grab it, the, the glass uh, container that we're going to, and about a four inches of it breaks off the top on one side of that container. In fact, I cut myself. I have a, I have a scar now. Oh, man, the sacrifices that I make. And so I hesitate for just a moment. I say, well, come on. I turned it the one way. And, and so maybe not everybody can see where it's cracked on where a piece of glass is missing on the container. We burn it, put it in, but I'm afraid to put anything on it because I don't want it to break anymore. So I, uh, I, I quickly blood's dripping in the. Is everybody okay? You know, blood's dripping in the thing that's going out. You know, and most people, some people said, "Oh, I like the red streaks on that glass." But uh, so I rushed it into my office, and uh, but the smoke in the. Uh, uh, it was pretty smoky, and it was uh, because, you know, we're not stopping the wind. We're not stopping the air that's in it anymore. And, and uh, my office smelled for a week. I did not complain. So I tell you that for two reasons. One, it gives me another reason to say, God, be the glory, we're debt free. But also to say, the fire that the Holy Spirit starts, let's never put a lid on it. You do when you do not continue to have a growing relationship with Jesus because the Holy Spirit's always at work. And when we're not growing in Him, it's, we're, we're stifling what the Lord is doing. Folks, what we see in Acts 2 is what we see when the power of God coupled with the believers who have a personal relationship with Jesus are led by the Holy Spirit. Make sure you got that. Power of the Holy Spirit coupled with people who have a growing relationship with Jesus Revival happens. Change occurs. People give their lives to Christ. It's what happens. Oh, it's what will happen as we continue to grow in the Lord, as we continue to grow as a church, as we continue to grow as believers in the Lord Jesus. And I want you to notice now, 
Peter stood up. We read part of the sermon that he gave just the very beginning. But he's given the very first sermon of the church. Very first sermon of the New Testament church. And then through the chapter, we won't read it all. But look at verse 37 through 41. After he stopped preaching, what happened? Verse 37 says, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Does that sound familiar? So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let me emphasize, if I can, verse 39 there for just a moment. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. A personal growing relationship is available to all who become believers. That day 3,000 were saved because those who have a personal relationship with Jesus were used by God, by the power of God. Well, I'm counting on it. I'm counting on continuing to see, and even maybe more so than ever before, growing believers being coupled with the power of the work of the Holy Spirit and there being a great harvest. Sign number three, the speaking in other languages by the believers. The speaking in other languages by the believers. We as Baptists, we're, we're a little ill at ease to use this speaking in tongues as the only evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. I don't know, but I would guess that not everyone here has prayed that they might be able to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many did in the first churches and in some denominations today. Tongues are mentioned three times in the book of Acts, a couple of times in 1 Corinthians. Many evangelicals believe that the gift of tongues came to an end at the end of the writing of the New Testament. Different kinds of speaking in tongues in the New Testament. We'll just list them here for you so that you'll know what we're talking about. The Bible speaks of a tongue or a heavenly language that we'll call it that we might not be able to understand, but if it's ever used in worship, there is to be an interpreter. And uh, Paul makes it clear there must be an interpreter. For proper ways to use this gift, we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Sometimes, second kind, sometimes people speak of a prayer language. That is a prayer language of speaking in tongues that is used in private, utterances of the Holy Spirit too deep for words sometimes. And that'd be taken primarily from Romans chapter 8 where it talks about the groanings of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf. So that's one, that's two, prayer, heavenly language, prayer language. And then there's three, and that's this unique event that we're reading about today. We'll just call it the spoken language. Uh, this was the time chosen by God for the birth of the church. You remember who the writer of Acts is? It's Dr. Luke, also the writer of the Gospel of Luke. Just for a comparison... What do you know happened in Luke chapter 2? One time unique event, birth of the virgin born Savior of the world. Jesus come from heaven, born into this world, Luke chapter 2. What's the unique event in Acts chapter 2? It is this unique event about the birth of the church. The wind and the fire and the tongues were one time events as signs that the church was born. The church was alive and Christ continues his work through the church. Why do I have such a passion for the church? Because we're Christ's chosen vessel to share the hope of the world. And the work of the church will not be stopped until Christ returns. And the Bible says the people began to speak. Go ahead, if you've got your Bibles open, look at verse 11. 
what does it say that they spoke? They began to speak in other languages that people could understand. They spoke the mighty and the wonderful works of God. A miracle took place. Now, there's some debate about it whether the miracle was in the hearing or in the speaking, but in the language of the New Testament, verse 4 says they spoke in other languages. Not one, meaning not their own and not just the heavenly language. Each spoke a different language. Verses 9 through 11 mentions about 15 different countries that people had come to be able to come be in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. And they were from near and far, north, south, east, and west had come to Jerusalem. It was a miracle that signified that the coming of the Holy Spirit, the church had been born, and God's plan for using the church to reach the world was set in motion. So here's what you can say personally, first person. I know the Holy Spirit is at work in my life today by opportunities to influence others for Christ. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, the Lord has placed you somewhere that you can have an opportunity to influence others. Whether you're doing it or not, well, you're influencing people whether you know it or not. But there are people who need to be influenced by you so that they might be able to be pointed to Jesus. Well, people who were gathered in the streets on that day of Pentecost, they heard the commotion that was taking place. They came and ran multitude and they began to ask, how can this be? They said, how can this be coming from these Galileans? Sometimes your translation will say common Galileans, but probably in that day that would have been a redundancy that they thought of the people in Galilee as common. I don't know if they still have this in elementary schools. Maybe when y'all are in elementary school, but they have a reading initiative day. People would be invited in to, to uh, read to the elementary classes and like from the community. Do they still have that kind of thing? I know they had not in the last couple of years, but I've been invited to be a part of this from time to time. And, and I would see uh, certainly kids from the church, and they usually call me Brother Jeff. Hey, Brother Jeff. And, but one little girl said, saw me who had been attending our church. She said, hey, preacher. The little girl next to her said, he's not your preacher. She said, he is too. She said, he is not. She said, he is too. She said, he is not. He is too. And finally, the other little girl said, looked at me and looked back at her friend. They said, they might let him preach in Sunday school, but they don't let him go up in big church and preach in front of everybody. And I thought, I thought I was going to go save, you know, the girl that I knew. And I thought, she's not going to believe me either. If I tell her that, yeah, they really let me preach in big church. And some of you still having a hard time believing it as well. But most of the 120 followers that were declaring the wonders of Jesus in everybody's own language are Galileans. Not known for the best reputation of much education or being very intelligent. Their parents didn't look like they could be preaching at all, much less in many other different languages. And even though Galilee was to the north, it'd be like a lot of people in the United States feel about Southerners today. And they ask, how can this be? Do you know that you can be used by God no matter who you are? You can be used by God no matter who you are, no matter what your background, how old or young, it doesn't matter what you've done. God forgives and He wants to use somebody like you. He does use educated people. Apostle Paul was one of those. However, if you don't think you look like, you sound like, or the right kind of person to be used of God, or you're not capable of doing the job, you might just be the kind of person that God wants. Scripture tells us that God uses the weak to confound the wise, and the foolish to dis- the weak to confound the strong, and the foolish to dismay the wise. Speaking of strong and wise and foolish, but the Lord wants to use people like you and me. But also, you can be used of God if you'll speak about Jesus. You can be used of God if you'll speak about Jesus. Verse 11, we talked about a moment ago, says that they were declaring the mighty wonders of God. 
while the world uses the name of Jesus and the name of God sometimes as expressions of cursing and sometimes as a punchline, we need to be using Jesus his name regularly in our conversation as we declare his wonders and as we simply tell what Jesus has done. Why doesn't God just take us when he saves us? Why doesn't he just take us directly to heaven? Well, you know why. Because we must continue the work and the purpose and the mission that was started in Jesus and then it was birthed in the church and now it continues on. Can you think of any time that you've told about the difference that Jesus has made in your life or maybe how you're saved? Well, if you will open your mouth and speak, the Holy Spirit will do great and wonderful things that will be a reflection of what has happened here in Acts chapter 2. We're not looking for another Pentecost. That was a one-time event. We're looking to be on the mission that was birthed at Pentecost. We're in the business of telling others about the marvelous work of Jesus. I want you to notice this in verse 5. The kind, some of the people who were there that day at Pentecost. Verse 5 says there were devout Jews... Some translations say they were God-fearing Jews. Now this was not a term to describe every Jew or every Jew that was there. Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes whom Jesus dealt with, they would not be called devout or God-fearing Jews. But there were a set of people who were there who'd come Pentecost on this particular Pentecost so that they might be in the right time and the right place. We, we can think maybe in our sanctified imagination that the Lord made sure or made it so that at least the 3,000 who were God-worshippers, who believed the Old Testament, who were maybe even looking for a Messiah, were there on that day so that they might be able to see the coming of the Holy Spirit and hear the word that was preached about the resurrected Christ and they may know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Do you believe that God might have been a work for something like that? Well, I believe that God is a work so that you're here today and so that you might be able to also be able to hear the good news and that you're here for a purpose. God knew you were going to be here. Now, there may be some who should have been here that maybe that's possible that weren't here, but God knew you were going to be here for the purpose so that you might be able to understand and so that you might be able to experience, the, again, the Holy Spirit knowing that He's in your life if you've come to know Christ and if you haven't known Christ that today that you can come to know Him as Lord and Savior. Note that as you describe how God-fearing Jews felt. Verse 6 says, The crowd came together in bewilderment. Verse 7 says that they were utterly amazed and astonished. Verse 12 says they were amazed and perplexed. Did we mention that they were amazed? These were God-fears. They did not understand. But there's another element present in verse 16. It says those were the mockers. They sneered or they mocked and said, These people have been drinking. They said they're full of new wine. We want to have such an environment and allow the Holy Spirit at work to where at least we get noticed, even if they don't understand, even if they're going to mock us, but even as a church, we want to have such a church that people at least pay attention. Peter rose to set the record straight. He says, it's only 9 a.m. Even if we were going to be drinking, we wouldn't be drunk yet. Doesn't that seem like a strange way to start a sermon? <laughs> it, but it may be that you know, they were sarcastically saying they must be drunk. Peter's just giving it right back to them. Or maybe finally, he finally got a sense of humor. And he told them what was taking place is what was prophesied in the book of Joel. Verse 17, we read it a moment ago. said, in the last days, last days meaning the time for the ascension to the time that Christ came. Christ comes again. Are we living in the last days? <laughs> you don't have to convince too many people that we're living in the last days. What will happen in these days, verse 17 tells us, it's going to happen at, at Pentecost in the days to come. Listen, 
we, we understand when we think about Pentecost, we often think of emotion and enthusiasm. You know, we as Baptists, we probably could use a little more life, enthusiasm, and spirit sometimes. But understand it must be balanced. Being filled with the Spirit is not just emotion that's doing what is right. One of my favorite things you might have heard me say, if you, it's not how high you fly, but it's how straight you walk. It's not how high you fly, just make sure you're flying or you're walking with Jesus. Because if you're going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something, whether it's going to be to fly high or to walk straight or walk with Jesus, be sure that you're asking the Holy Spirit to, let, to help you to walk with Jesus. It, well, look at verse 17. What will be happening in the last days? Who will God's Spirit be poured out on? All flesh, meaning all kinds of people. What will they do? Prophesy, see visions, dream dreams. Does that sound like something that you're capable of? Well, the word prophesy also means to proclaim. If you've ever told anybody about Jesus or how you were saved or declared anything about the works of Jesus, well, you've, you've proclaimed. Have you ever had a dream of what God might could do in your life? Have you ever had a dream of filling up a whole section of nothing but teenagers? If you've ever had... If they, now, take a look again. Because if not, God wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you dreams. No, again, Acts 2, does that sound like something that you're capable of? You know, we've talked about how we can be used by God, no matter who you are. You can be used by God if you will open your mouth, speak about Jesus. But also you can be used by God by being prepared to focus on kingdom work. Seeking first the kingdom of God. Believe it or not, you're you could see yourself somewhere in this passage. Among the 120 believers, perhaps if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, hopefully that's where you see yourself. You know the Holy Spirit already you know has come upon, you, come, come upon you. So maybe today the Lord has prepared your heart as one of the 120 to be used of God to influence others and to further God's kingdom. Maybe you see yourself on one of those who were the God-fears who were seeking the Messiah who were there that day. And so today has you in this time, this right place, so that you might be able to be a follower of the Lord Jesus. Or maybe you see yourself maybe as one of the scoffers. Yeah, this is crazy stuff. But because of the Holy Spirit at work, He can transform your life so that you can know the truth that's found in Jesus. You need to know either the Holy Spirit is living in you or he is not. And today, if you do not have Jesus living in you, or you can't say for sure, or today you want the Holy Spirit to come living in you, we're going to pray here in just a moment. You'll have opportunity. Pray, asking Christ to come in and be your Savior and Lord. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your, our time together. We thank you for the worship that's taking place. We pray, Father, that you're using this time even now to prepare our hearts. Thank you for the Holy Spirit at work, Spirit of Jesus living in us. Pray, Father, that even now that hearts have been prepared and now for those who are believers, we're ready. Father, yes, we want to be used by you and be submissive and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. If there's here one or more here today who don't know you as Lord and Savior, don't know for sure that they can say, the Holy Spirit's living in me. And you've prepared their heart to ask Christ, even now, to forgive them of all sin and ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord. If some here today are listening would have scoffed at the name of Jesus and all that is taking place in the Bible and in God's church. We know that you can transform hearts even now.
pray that that's taking place. Thank you, Father, for your presence here. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.